So before I uh, launch into our theme for this evening, as I often do, I invite you to listen in that grounded, spacious way, whereby uh, there's a sense of, you know, the, the reflections may feel more or less relevant for us where we are at in our practice, in our retreat, in, in our life. Um, I was offered with the hope that there's some usefulness, um, but also just in a situation like this, having so many different sensibilities and some people just arrived, some people just going, but, you know, it's like somehow it feels rather wonderful so we can, we can gather around this intention to practice, to hear the Dhamma and so often I feel like it's a very, it's very much in the hearing, isn't it? I mean, I'm sort of very aware of the talking part of things, although I'm also hearing the words as well. But that sense of that real invitation, you know, and you, that way of listening, almost sort of listening through or under the words, you know, for what might be helpful, which might actually be a reflection that arises in your own heart and mind that I never say. And I sometimes feel like maybe you've had that experience. Um, so I, I feel like it's helpful for it to be a spacious kind of listening. And, um, yeah, and, and feeling like I don't have to pick up and sort of, you know, I can go to town on this. Uh, and there might be something there. And uh, I want to also begin, so I'm avoiding telling you what the topic is, or else I keep you guessing for a little while. <laughs> because sometimes I like to begin a talk with a little phrase or a little story which may in some way illustrate the theme and also possibly act as a, a short summary of the talk. So should you go to sleep... Um, and you miss the rest of the talk, then at least you might have this little bit which you can remember, oh, the talk was something to do with that thing, that story. So, um, It's a story I've told, in, anyway, you might know, I borrowed it from one of Sharon Salzberg's books, and I hope I'm remembering accurately, but it's one that comes back to me again and again. It's in, I can't remember which book it's in, it's in the Loving Kindness book, I think. So, there's a small child who was having nightmares, recurrent nightmares of these monsters chasing, chasing her. And so one day she was speaking with her friend about these, these dreams, these nightmares. And, and the friend asked her, so, so what do they look like, these monsters? And, and the child said, oh, I don't know. Like I've never really turned around and looked at them. So, somehow, maybe it, it happened in the story that, that uh, the child was dreaming and having this nightmare again and somehow in the dream, as maybe you can when sometimes it's... Somehow in the dream she, she managed to turn around and actually look at the monsters who were chasing her. And much to her amazement, as she looked at them, they stopped and just started jumping up and down. 
in front of her. Right? And then as she continued looking, they sort of t they became more like kind of cartoon characters. And then she kept looking and they became kind of two-dimensional. Just, you know, just like a thin, like a piece of paper. And then she carried on looking and they just disappeared. And she never had this nightmare again. It's a happy ending, that story. <laughs> so... <laughs> gives you some clue. So I, I find that a very beautiful, powerful story and I won't, I, again, the, the talk hopefully is, you'll see is some connection with that. And I want to talk about a particular kind of psychological monster which uh, some of us experience, um, which um, even if we don't experience, we're lucky enough not to not to be afflicted in this particular way. We probably know a lot of other people who who are. <laughs> so it could be helpful in our relationships and our friendships and other relationships to be able to recognise this. And perhaps working with it in ourselves is not that different from than the skillfulness we can perhaps bring to others. And it's this pattern that is sometimes called the inner critic. So we have a, another talk on av av aversion. So I know Susan talked about fear on Tuesday, so this feels to me very much another manifestation which happens, I think, for, for a lot of people. Um, and, and, and it you know, manifests in different ways. I don't think it looks one way or feels one way. And it seems like it's pretty common and some and, and creates a lot of trouble, a lot of suffering. And so in the spirit of maybe um, you know the ways that we know that we uh, find of practicing with the hindrances, so I think of this as really very much in that family of experience, you know, that aspect, afflictive aspect of our experience. So in some ways, you know, it's it's just the same skillfulness brought to bear on this particular kind of constellation or um, dynamic. Um, and so the other thing I wanted to kind of frame this talk was, I had just, hmm. You know, you probably heard that hindrances, these energies of aversion and desire and restlessness and and sloth and torpor and doubt and, and all of their all of their siblings <laughs> multitudinous <laughs> relatives. <laughs> um, and aren't they often talked about as being um this, somehow non non inherent or or not um you know not who we are or mm, not basic to the mind or yeah these different like uh, adventitious i love that word i was thinking about i love that word it's like it advances or it ad ad advent it comes adventitiously no it's like Mara in the early text, you know, this character who sort of appears and like 
prods, you know, and kind of tempts the Buddha or, you know, tests the Buddha or, you know, just appears sort of in disguise. And uh, the way these um, difficult energies in the, in, in personified by Mara certainly seem to appear on a regular basis throughout, throughout the Buddha's teaching life. It's kind of interesting, isn't it, that somehow that was he was not exempt from from that experience of being hindered, of being, you know, kind of prodded or doubted or, you know, kind of fooled. All these different. Think of the manifestation of the the hindrances, you know. And I like uh, some of you. I ha- I have quite a like this sort of imaginative kinesthetic sense, which sort of, I find it very helpful, these sort of personifications, this sort of sense of, you know, how does it feel in the body? You know, in that sense of almost sort of acting out, expressing it, which it sort of, if it sort of feels like it does more justice to, you know, what is that experience? And here we're talking very much about the inner critic, the sense of the judge who, who judges everything we do or is just, you know, ready to find fault with anything and everything that we have done, are doing, or will do. You know, it's, it's very, can be very comprehensive and very, and just very subtle or sometimes very, very obvious. So something about this talk of both somehow seeing the insubstantiality, like this week and I've been reflecting on this theme and you know, I'm sure all of you, the value when you take a theme and you really live with it for a while, you sort of reflect on it, like how you, ah, yeah, what is this? Like, I never know. Sometimes it feels so hard to give a talk. It's like, I don't know, you know. Ask me in three lifetimes. I might have a bit more if I know idea. <laughs> but anyway, we know something and we go forward with that and, and we, 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 yeah, we learn, we and so one of the things I've noticed this week is like maybe why the image of that dream I shared with you, the nightmare, the child's nightmare, it felt so powerful was this sense of when I I turned to look for it, I couldn't find it. You know, that there's a, it's not always there, it's not always active, it might be a pattern in the mind and certainly for me it's been there pretty much feels like all my life and you know, very strongly activated at certain moments and then this overall sense, I think it's getting less of a grip, I think it's getting sort of gradually sort of disempowered um, and more understood and more seen. It was really interesting, it was quite striking, that sense of, oh, where, where is it? You know. And so the power of that turning towards something that's so frightening or troubling, so, you know, like, wait a minute, you know, I, I feel so encumbered with this. It's not like it's not real, if you could say. It's definitely something happening. I'm suffering, you know, so it's not like there's nothing there. But actually, that's so, so something about keeping that in mind, there's like a form and emptiness, emptiness and form, like we're not kind of losing one or the other. We're working in one and then in the other. And something that maybe the he- the healing the release actually needs both kind of careful attention to these forms you know these forms that are so yeah psychologically charged and and have a big effects in our in our life and yet at the same time what are they you know 
really? What is there? This is amazing, isn't it? It's this sort of this sort of paradox that when you look, you think, "What?" But uh, so insubstantial, so and yet has such power. You know, can really I feel like a, an energy like this, a dynamic of this sort of judging mind turned on ourselves. You know, of you could aversion getting tangled up with self-judgment or self negative self-judgment you know different ways you might describe this i want to unpack that a bit more um just just what a tremendously limiting and uh kind of painful experience that is um yeah so um hmm. so i think yeah i think that's what i wanted to kind of just offer that to bear in mind as we go through and look at this in a, a little bit is oh, be be mm, like wary of solidifying something you know making it more real and solid than it actually is mm? and yet on the other hand not like waving the emptiness wand at it and say oh well there's nothing really there so you know next <laughs> like as if as if it's not not something that needs to be addressed and and i think that yeah that's an interesting maybe that if you if that makes sense to you that kind of balance with a sort of respect for the yeah the form and also this sort of maybe the the wisdom the remembering this is empty this is you know one of the ways i think about these things sometimes it's just like it's just confused energy. It's got knotted up and it doesn't quite know how to go back to the big whole, whole, whole energy thing. You know, it's like it just got tangled up over here and it doesn't quite know how to get out. You know, I find that, again, it's an image, but for me that's meaningful and, and helpful actually because it kind of makes it less personal and less... You take the me and the I out of it because, of course, with a lot of the hindrances in this particular one, it's like... If you wade into this stuff, thinking, right, I'm going to sort this out, um, you've just got more trouble. Because there is another sense of self, you know, the fixer coming in to, to, who knows, you know, what you've got to do. And, you know, that image of getting more and more tangled up in the, in the thicket, the thicket of views. So, being able to meet and know and name maybe in ways that are not quite so, uh, yeah, they're more impersonal. Can be really, really helpful, right? It's just tangled up energy. Huh? Oh, okay. Uh, you know, and also though, sometimes it's very helpful to get very, very personal about it. Like, you know, yeah. Sometimes that needs to be honoured or respected. This happened and... I grew up in that environment and it had this effect and, you know, that's also, there's something really important, that internalized oppression and, like, respect for that, those particular conditions. So again, maybe you can hear, there's like a, it's not one or the other, it's like they're both really important uh, in this process of, of, of healing and, and liberation. So anyway, let's just talk a bit about this, more about this particular pattern. So, um, you know, as a thought, we might, you know, it's like, just find fault with myself, you know, it's sort of pretty clear. Then there might be other kinds of more heavy 
sort of value general statements about um, my lack of worth as a person. Yeah. So there's something in there condemning me, not just for that silly thing I just did, but just generally, you're really not up to much. Yeah. That's, and and that feels to me something that can be more pervasive and more almost like an anusaya, you know, a latent tendency, something that's just got settled in there, it's sort of bubbling a long way beneath everything. I mean, not necessarily aware of it, because it's somewhere not so much necessarily at the level of thought. So I wanted to share with you, um, and partly to reference a book by Mark Coleman, called Making Peace With Your Mind, which is all about working with the, the inner critic, this this particular pattern and and uh, also came out of his experience of, of really suffering with this pattern. So he said um, in the introduction, I saw how punishing I was with myself. I understood how cruel and savagely unforgiving I was about my own foibles and insecurities. I discovered how judgmental I was about everything I did. And whenever I tried to do anything new, I felt the unreasonable expectation to be perfect from the outset. Ouch. Oh, you know, isn't that? I just. And so his journey, part of the book, his journey both as a yogi and, you know, just teaching and and, and discovering ways of of working with that, of, of. understanding that, you know, of, of relating wisely uh, and of, of, yeah, what helps that to heal and to be released. And so some things, I might mention a few things, some of the things he touches on. Um, I also want to show you a wonderful book by Ajahn Suchito called Unseating, I think it's called Unseating the Inner Tyrant, which I'd also recommend. And he describes it in these ways. Um, The inner tyrant is a nagging voice that demands you achieve perfection. So that's quite like Marx. Thinking about what we are and what we should be. (laughs) Do you reckon anybody do that? (laughs) I mean, in a way, I think a silent retreat situation is just like... Why would, you know, it's like, it's just very... uh, Fertile soil for that, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, what else are you going to do all day? Well, I mean, think about what I am and what I should be. Yeah. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. You know, and, and the way that our meditation practice, perhaps in, in retreat or in the world, or I don't know, just it can become so small. And now it's all about me and my stuff, you know, and like... I'm just going in here and just leave me alone. I'm trying to figure out my stuff. Hand me, hand me the spanner. No, 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 no. I need that. No, no, no. Oh, give me the screwdriver. I just, you know. Um, and how that's, I think, part of what's so insidious about a pattern like this is that, well, you've got to keep, you've got to try and fix it because you're all wrong. You know, you're all bad and faulty. You know, so it's very compelling. It's very compelling. Um, so it says like feeling inadequate and trying to prove ourselves <laughs> is that familiar to anybody? 
you know, I mean, it's just extraordinary. And, and how, you know, I see this in myself and I see, you know, I, I, how much easier in a way, like I feel this when I, you know, talk one-to-one with you and, and I can hear the struggles and I can hear what's, and I can sometimes hear that. For, oh, well, I, you know, I shouldn't, I know I should be above and it should be beyond all this, but um, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> And like I'm trying to support that sense of, do, you know, do not judge yourself for this. And I can't, you know, but I know how hard that is. It's so ingrained. And it's like this sense of maybe the middle way where, you know, the Buddha is encouraging us to find, you know, between this kind of, you know, domineered kind of tyrannical kind of what is that, you know, courtroom, prison, I don't know, different images. And then on the other hand, oh, well, whatever, you know, just let it all hang out. (laughs) It's like another way, one of the ways I think we can swing, you know, between struggling and, you know, being the persecutor or the persecuted and then, oh, forget it, I'm just going to, you know, and then fill in the dots, you know, either I'm just going to go and shout at someone else or you know, do some, do something reckless or, uh, you know, all that you could fill in the, fill in the blanks. What do we do to get away from this, 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 this thing? Now, mm. so I have a piece of art here to show you, <laughs> which is like, don't worry, you can't see it. It's, um, it's not very good. <laughs> But the point of something like this was when I drew it, I sort of did this when I was exploring this theme a little while ago and I found it so helpful. Just a, a biro, you know, just a black biro and like after studying and thinking and reflecting a bit. So I'll tell you, tell you, you can't see it, I'll tell you a little bit about the picture because there's a lot in there. And I, I recommend it as one way of working with this kind of stuff or a pattern like that, sort of, sort of, drawing and and and, and I, I I found it was really helpful way of of understanding what's actually going on because it's not just the words it's like the way I I I drew and then I you know I made some things really you know big and and I found it really helpful and so it's this picture of this sort of creature monster if you say <laughs> some description and um I won't tell you, I won't read it all to you, that would take the whole rest of the talk, but um, this, the, so we've got this kind of big sort of face with um, really, really big ears, and it says, um, evidence everywhere, negativity filter, so it's like hearing, hearing, you know, and then just like being, taking anything, some, what somebody says, and you convert it, ah, oh, see, I am bad, they think I'm bad, oh my god, so... There's a way in which we we project this outwards. I think that's something that I yeah I, I wanted to say in this talk because something that's become more and more apparent to me is how we what's the word infer hostility. We see it when it's not there. We expect it like because I have this pattern quite strongly. It is getting better, honestly. Um, like it can sometimes have this sense like, you know, and I'm sure you have it as yogis the other way around. I sit there and I expect you to all come in and criticize me, throw tomatoes at me. It's like nobody's ever done that. The odd criticism, but no tomatoes. 
and I think it's part of this pattern. It's like a, a projection, an external sort of like manifestation. I see, I tend to expect that. I tend to, because it's just such a strong internal pattern. And anyway, there's a lot more we could say about that because it's not that, nothing is that simple. Um, it was interesting, something, I won't go into the details, that something happened today where if somebody said something and I could feel the a bit of me light up and hear it as a criticism. And it, I know it really wasn't. So it's really, and that's to me a really good sign. Like it's, that feels like progress. <laughs> because I knew what it was, you know what I mean? It kind of happens and you can feel like in the past you might just have got really upset and cried or whatever, you know, and not really understood what was going on. I kind of got it. I'm like, ah, there's that little bit. And it's this, it's that sort of, and also this little figure has, has um, glasses on. And big glasses, and the glasses have big letters that says wrong on them. Yeah? So it's kind of relevant to that, to hear what you see. It's like, you know, and more evidence. And the mouth is this big mouth. I really wish I could draw better, but anyway. And, you know, what does it say? Maybe you know what it says. Maybe, you know, just hear some, 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 you are a failure. Ooh, so mean. Uh, you always get it wrong. Mm. You're stupid and hopeless and a waste of space. Some of this is very, very vicious, isn't it? It's not funny, really. Um, you'd be better off dead. So this can be pretty, you know, this can be pretty heavy, heavy shit, heavy stuff. I've never said that word in the hall before, I don't think. Oh, ah, turn the tape off. Um, I'm always wondering when I'm going to get the sack. <laughs> Maybe this will be it. Do you think that has anything to do with the inner critic? Maybe. Um, uh, never good enough. Just try harder. Right? Oh, dear. So then the other part, what... what also became really apparent to me um, and, and still feels really helpful thing to acknowledge is you have the you are, you know, you've got this like heavy duty sort of, and then there's the I am and it's this little figure like quite young, just sitting there curled up and kind of like depressed basically um, you know oh, I am you know, wrong, a failure it's like, it's sort of like like a sponge, you know, sort of taking in this negative stuff and then and then all the different feelings, you know, collapsed, hollow, foggy, uncreative, cut off, um, dep- depressed, shame. I think shame is a big thing, big, big, big uh, part of this. And then, um, yeah, so that's it. I could go on, but the, those are the two. And I just want to tell you about these really big boots as well, because I kind of like these big boots. It says on it, tyrannical, dictatorial, controlling, belittling, humiliating, intimidating, oppressive. That's, excuse me. <laughs> Ooh, squashed. Yeah. So, so I think that... Um, sometimes to 
you know, write this stuff out, draw it out, really helpful. And sometimes, you know, more helpful perhaps to do it in our minds, you know, like go for a walk with your inner critic, or, you know, let it, let it personify. So again, it's that other side, it's the kind of the wisdom of actually letting it form more fully. And somehow, in a strange kind of way, that then becomes a part of how it reveals its sort of emptiness. And it's like, well, it's sort of this, and it's sort of that, and then sometimes it's sort of that. And, you know, it's like you begin to realize it has these different elements and actually manifests in different ways. And sometimes I think that, sort of as I've worked with this over the years, you know, what I've kind of ended up with is is something more bodily or somatic, you know, working on that level with both the... um, immediate reactions that sort of happen but also almost like what we carry in our bodies in our somewhere in our subtle energy body in our mind these sort of you know murky murky bits of energy and the things that can bubble up during a retreat sort of present themselves we don't really know what it is and we don't always have to name know what it is and name it um yeah so um let's see so how do we how do we practice with this you know and um yeah um there's lots of things i can but time is already going so let's see i mean i think uh, i really i mean it's kind of basic isn't it but this simple sense of 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 recognizing some some aspect of that, of that energy or and being able to make the intention or that gesture of of oh okay welcome let me be with this let 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 okay right <sighs> yeah it's a sort of widening softening and some you know whatever words you might use a kind of it's like kind of caring mindfulness or a mindfulness that is is has our it's like it has our best interests at heart and it's somehow widening into more a sense of I'm just being with this is really what it most needs that there's something here like sometimes I hear the phrase I don't know where it comes from, maybe Freud, the orphans of consciousness. And maybe what this this inner critic is an example of, just those orphans of consciousness in parts of ourself that we have sort of, you know, banished and never quite had the capacity to be with, actually. And again, that, for me, always I feel like it's an energy that it just... In a way, what it really needs is enough love and care and patience so it can find its own way back into the wholeness, you know, back into the, just the life, the life energy. Um, So again, maybe sometimes it's helpful to be that simple, you know, sometimes really the, the thing that's most needed. Um, hmm, how are we doing? Hmm. So I thought I would share with you um, 
a poem. As you probably heard, it's, it's, it's sort of, I don't know if it's still doing the rounds in insight meditation circles, but um, it's a great poem and it feels very relevant to our theme and to what I was just saying about awareness and kindness and the healing power of that. So it's Wild Geese by the great Mary Oliver. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. Hmm. I feel like I could just stop there, but maybe I'll just say a little bit more. I think Certainly for me and my experience of practice and, and life and working with a pattern like this is that metta, metta loving kindness, goodwill has been and continues to be the most important, most powerful antidote and healing agent. And I think that sense of over time, through practicing in different ways, through finding eventually some connection with this mysterious quality of metta in the practice, which honestly took me years. I really didn't have a clue what they were on about, which is interesting. And gradually finding teachings and teachers who I could like, I could begin to tune into it as a tone, as a felt sense. As, a, as a, an atmosphere, as something to do with when somebody is kind to you. How does that feel? Oh, now that I know. Whereas, you know, sometimes I think the teaching just like goes straight over the top of your head or in one ear and out the other and you think, well, mm-hmm. So for me, it's been... It's been somehow that way of healing the being, the mind, just over and over again, over a long time, gradually, gradually being able to 
allow those deeper, those sort of ingrained senses and views and and you know knotted knotted bits gradually to unwind even while you know it's like yeah moments of insight seeing through it and knowing it's insubstantiality very very helpful along the way very important as well insights into the nature of perception and those moments when when yeah all of that that helps to undermine or kind of loosen up or yeah kind of encourage us so that uh, to uh, to keep faith with the healing process somehow it's yeah helps us to again because we're not so taking it so personally and so it's like a he- it's the burden isn't so heavy yeah because of that wisdom so this is where insight and the metta this really can work together support each other so maybe yeah i i think this use of the imagination use of imagery use of maybe writing drawing singing it you know dialogue dialogue sometimes you know again allowing that formless what do you need or what are you trying to tell me or you know not just dismissing it and shutting it out but some sometimes i think that can be there's there's some need it's not being heard or some there's even some wisdom in there that's not really being we're not open to so that somehow it sort of nags away you know i think it's interesting because sometimes i think our hiriotapa our conscience and concern you know that part of us that really sort of wants to be ethically attuned and, and have integrity that sometimes i think the bits that we're not so happy about in our behavior can get can get sort of kidnapped by the the inner critic right so it's like bring it back to the bring it back to the to the conscience and concern and the care it's, if that makes sense kind of bring it bring it back from the inner critic and so what are you trying to tell me there's just some possibilities of of um exploring and I think all of this actually could be relevant to any affliction or afflictive or, you know, difficult mind state with those repetitive kind of, you know, familiar like, oh my God, why aren't I over this by now kind of stuff. That often it just, it just needs more love, more space. Some kind of, again, something in the relationship with that is, is lacking. It's like what what am I holding back on here from this? What am I being kind of stingy about or you know, just it's like if we don't like it, you know <laughs> it's not a good basis for a good relationship, is it? Like it makes you uh, don't want to relate with this, I don't like it. So So yeah, so maybe by opening up we can uh, yeah, find some more freedom. And um, even, even short of complete liberation, we can find a lot more happiness and space in our life, you know, for ourselves and for others and for, you know, this world which so needs our care and attention. So I think I'll stop there. 
Thank you for your attention.